my tip, honestly, just go for it. It's as simple as that. Just take the plunge and do it. Welcome to my podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shuba, and I will be your host for today's episode. Interested in hearing about love, life, travel, and career? I will be exploring all those topics and more. If you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, exciting, and of course, spicy, hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it. This is Keep It Spicy. Today's guest is Tatiana Forero. Tatiana is a York University graduate with a BA Honors in Communication and Media Studies, as well as a diploma in Public Relations Corporate Communications from Seneca College. Tatiana has previous experience as a feature writer and editor, media relations and social media attendant, and her last role was a social media coordinator at a boutique communications agency before she went freelance. Tatiana is also an influencer with a passion for travel and adventure. Hi, Tatiana. So I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Thank you for joining me on Keep It Spicy. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited and uh, very um, honored to be on here. So I'm going to start by asking you to tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself. So what's your story? What have you been up to in the past couple of years, personally and professionally, if you want to share? Basically, what's the spice to your life? (laughs) Um. So like you said, my name is Tatiana, and I uh, like to call myself a um, travel photographer and content creator. So what I do is I travel around the world as much as I can. I know right now it's a bit difficult to, but essentially I like to share my experiences traveling with um, the community online through Instagram. Yeah, so that's just a bit about what I do, but I also focus a lot on social media management, so more on the professional um, work side. I am freelancing and I work uh, with various clients to manage and run their social media and kind of strategize their social media game to essentially increase their reach and increase their audience. What is one thing about yourself that people might be surprised to learn? And this is something that we not could have not necessarily found out about you on the internet. I think this isn't as obvious nowadays. I guess I've tailored my brand online to be solely travel related but I am a really big uh, gym junkie (laughs) so I love going to a gym it's what eases my mind it's kind of my form of meditation but I don't really post that online or a lot less than I used to before just because I'm tailoring my brand just to one particular niche but that is something that I love to do and and when I'm not out exploring and traveling or when when I'm out there like um, editing, then I'll probably be at the gym. Gotcha. I love it. I, I can, what do you call it? I second that because like I've seen you at the gym a lot <laughs> yeah. um, and I know that you are, yeah, you do focus on that and lifting and just being active. So yeah, interesting. And I also wanted to talk to you about traveling since I know that you are, as you mentioned, a huge advocate for travel and, and adventure. So two questions for you. When did you first start traveling? And then also, why did you decide to start documenting it on a more public platform like Instagram? So could you walk me through that process? So I first started traveling, um, 
I guess I've always been pretty fortunate to have parents that have always had an interest in exploring and traveling. So um, I've been lucky to be exposed to that type of lifestyle from early on um, in my childhood. So I remember going on trips like as young as I can remember, <laughs> essentially. So I was born um, in the States. So at that point, my parents were already kind of traveling around. They've moved from place to place, trying to find, I guess, where they um, best saw fit for them and for growing a family. Um, so I was fortunate to to be born there and then we did end up travel uh, moving a, a bit after that. So I've been traveling since essentially like I was a newborn. So I've been uh, very lucky in that sense. And then um, growing up, I just have really fond memories of traveling with my parents, traveling with my sister. Um, every like summer break, we'd go somewhere new might be local, might be like a road trip, and sometimes it would be a little bit further, maybe to go visit family, um, sometimes to Europe and stuff like that. And it's honestly looking back at those moments that bring me the most joy. And, and <laughs> like those moments, I recall being so happy. And that's kind of, I guess, when I felt most like in my element or most connected with, you know, like all my senses. So I think that what really uh, like appealed to me, what what real really appeals to me about traveling. And so why I got started on joining like the travel community on Instagram, why I started documenting my travels is essentially because I saw there was like a window of opportunity online you know people were starting to share their stories share their experiences and i wanted to be a part of that also for me instagram it, it's a it's a visual platform right so it was kind of my way of showing my work showing my photography and learning through that learning how to better photograph images stuff like that and learning from others who were posting online as well also gathering tips uh for like future destinations and stuff like that so it's kind of helpful all around but mainly the visual component to it is what really appealed to me and really made me want to um show off my work as well honestly like I put this off for like way longer than I wanted to just because I was a bit nervous at first but then I kept seeing more me more people doing so and and posting their stuff so I started to see see a window of opportunity for them, and you know, um, they were getting sponsorships and brands and stuff like that, and flying across the world. So I was like, you know, may as well like take a chance and and start putting myself more out there. Oh my gosh, I love that! Such a sweet story. Also, <laughs> I had no I had no idea that you were born in the states. Are you American or Canadian? I'm both. I'm both. But oh. yeah, I have American citizenship. So um, yeah, my parents um, moved to the States to learn English because um, they were living in France up, uh, before that. They really wanted to learn French at the time. They learned French for, they were there for a couple of years. So after that, they wanted to move and learn English and settle down. And, pro uh, and at that time, they were uh, starting to think of having a family. They were there for a couple of years. It just worked out that way. But then they're like, you know what? <laughs> Canada seems a lot better. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just, yeah. And I know that you also have a blog. So what would you say came first? The blog where you put on, you know, all these travel tips and your adventures or the Instagram travel photography influencer? Definitely the Instagram part came first. 
Um, I think it was the easiest stepping stone or gateway for me. Um, it was the most, I guess, user friendly uh, to just start off with um, because you know you have a free app. You don't have to pay for anything um, to make an account. You have access to all these different creators uh, to draw inspiration from. And it was just an easy way to, to get started. Honestly, I looked at it as just a way of initially just getting better at photography um, and stuff like that. Of course, at that time, I mean, I wasn't really thinking too much about editing or like making it look as appealing as I try to now. But yeah, that was mainly, I guess, the goal at the time. And then my blog, I think I've been blogging now for like maybe just like half a year now. So that's pretty recent. And that came about because I wanted an extension of my Instagram, a place where I could um, further like fuel out whatever I wanted to say, kind of have more space to write, uh, uh, type out my thoughts, uh, share my stories and experiences, and have that in a place that would be, I guess, more easily accessible than say like scouring through someone's feed on Instagram and trying to find a particular post, right? So it's just a, a way of kind of extending my Instagram. But I definitely think it was the right step to do so afterwards, just because there are also costs that come with it. So it's something you might want to start off first with like Instagram, see if you really enjoy it before actually like taking that step and, and putting in money into it too, right? Yeah. And we both pursued like our communication degree at York. And I know you also have one in public relations. How have your degrees, you know, aided the passion to become an influencer if it did? Did it help? Uh, yeah, it's for sure helped a lot. Um, I would say for both like communications and PR, they kind of go hand in hand. For me, the main takeaway that I recall like ingrained in my head uh, from my studies is just basically the importance of community building, essentially. So I think that is such a vital skill to have when you're, you know, interacting with, uh, when you, you're growing an audience essentially online, right? It's definitely taught me that it's important um, to really know your audience and understand what they're looking for um, out of your, your content, what they're asking for, and really tune in and listening to what it is that they need or want, right? So I think those are skills that my degree has definitely, or my degrees have definitely helped a lot in, is just that that listening component um, really help understand and niching down on the field that I'm in, the, the, the niche that I'm in, um, and also being aware of the value that you bring. I think that's something that um, communications and, and PR studies, they kind of repeat over and over, but it's so important is that whatever you're offering, it has to bring value because otherwise, like if you're, if it's just, again, like a one-way street, it's not really a community, right? And we weren't part of a society that, you know, functions all together. We're not just like individuals that like are completely like, separate entities we all work together so um, that's something that is definitely true when you're trying to grow your audience on social media just as as much as it's true in any other industry dealing with communications it's all the same you do so you dabble in social media not just from your personal account but you also do so professionally for others for clients um, what would you say are the first 
if not the most important steps that you recommend to somebody that wants to start building a following and a brand? Building a brand, I think the first most important thing is really sitting down and understanding what your brand is, uh, what your niche is essentially understanding who your target audience is um, and and honing down on that because you want to build your your credibility and you can't be knowledgeable in everything right so it's best to hone down on a specific topic a specific niche for me personally it's travel and and build your audience that way that way it's just much more easier to target people it's just much more appealing for someone to want to engage and stay connected with you if you know your target audience. So I would definitely say that's key. And from there on out, I think as long as you're providing quality content, I think the most important element, especially when starting off, is just to remain consistent. So like build your presence online, um, be active as much as you can, engage not only with your own account, but with pe uh, other people's accounts. Aim to post a couple times a week if you can, especially at the beginning, just again, to build that credibility, to build up your portfolio, essentially. Could you walk me through what you do for work on an app? Like, what does an average day look like for you? Because I know that you help with social media. You're doing freelance right now. So could you tell us what an average day for Tatiana looks like? Yeah, so an average day is probably waking up, checking emails. Um, it gets a bit kind of like unbalanced, just kind of like navigating through like different clients, right? And just like, I guess, dividing my time. But essentially start with emails and then I work my way through um, to my phone and just connecting online uh, via their, the, the accounts that I manage. Um, so a lot of my day, I would say like, 90% of my work hours is uh, spent on Instagram essentially because that's mainly the focus of my clients or is mainly Instagram for social media growth. So I'll just go on their accounts, engage with the accounts appropriate to their niche, engage with people who have commented on our posts, stuff like that, answer DMs. And then I also build a content calendar essentially. So I plan out the posts, either like I make them or I'm provided with images and I just come up with the captions. Um, I have on hand like a hashtag strategy list. So hashtags that are specific to their niche um, and that will kind of build up that social media SEO. Um, so I plug those in. So I make sure that their content calendar is as user-friendly and as reachable as possible. And then I'll just kind of interact um, respond to emails, see if, if there's any, I guess, area of focus that they need help. Sometimes we'll sit down and like talk about strategy, like ways of growth, whether it's like doing like mini like giveaways or just like interactive stuff on, on stories essentially is really what's important currently. I think that's just like the easiest way of like engaging with your audience on a daily basis is through stories. So that's also where spend like a lot of my time is just like doing little polls here and there on stories um stuff like that okay and what would you say are the challenges of what you're doing there are a few challenges personally for myself um and this is just personally as a freelancer um type of challenge is just organizing my time and being effective with my time because now that i'm freelancing um it's just really easy to 
distract myself and put things for later, right? Because I'm essentially managing my own time. I can work whenever I want to, right? So it's just about managing my time. So I found, I find it really important for me to stick to a structure as if I were, you know, like in a regular office setting, like I need to wake up by a certain time. I need to be at my desk, like working at a certain time, stuff like that. Um, and just having like kind of structured hours for myself or, and also just managing time with the hours that I put into a certain client and another's just because like social media, like it's something that you're always getting more information every second, right? There's always information you can be interacting with or that is coming to you. So like you can't be engaging like 24 seven. Um, and, and so it's just a matter of like, tuning into a certain um account at certain hours and then you have to kind of like tune out and give time and nurture the other accounts and stuff like that so it's kind of hard to keep track i, I guess what i'm trying to say it's really easy to lose track of time and lose track of the hours you're working when you're working for multiple clients and i guess not not losing track of of your paid hours essentially right so i would just say as a freelancer like that's something you really want to and that i'm still like trying to get into the practice is of effectively time blocking my hours so that I'm not just running back and forth from one account to another. The other challenge is that Instagram is so different nowadays to what it was a couple years back, right? So for people who don't really work in social media or maybe don't have the knowledge, social media looks like this very easy to do like fun little thing right but there's a lot that goes behind all the work there's a lot of time and a lot of strategy and a lot of planning right so it's easy for your clients who might not be as knowledgeable to kind of undervalue your time essentially and be like oh can you just like post this real quick for me on like random hours and stuff like that um and just kind of i guess assign tasks that you know you need more time for and then the, the time slot is just kind of too too squished together too short so that's one issue the last point i had oh yeah instagram itself the platform has changed so much over the last couple of years the algorithm has changed or like seems to change every couple of weeks or so right so it's definitely a lot harder for accounts for businesses to grow on the platform than it was say even like three years ago or two years ago right organic reach is just not as easy as it it was before um and that's something that like i think is important to let your clients be aware of that like you're gonna do everything you can to try to maximize their reach and maximize the amount of new eyeballs coming into their page but it is hard to get that follow button definitely much more of a challenge than it was a couple of years ago so they have to just kind of like understand that um that rapid growth that they expect once they hire a social media manager is just not realistic at this time but more so it's just about creating valuable content rather than just focusing on the number growth yeah speaking of like engagement and audience like on a scale of one to ten for your own platform how engaged would you say your audience is um i'm pretty fortunate that i would say 
I would say I have a very active um, and engaged audience. Um, if I had to put a number on it, I won't say 10, I'll, I'll say nine, I'll say nine. I'm very um, fortunate that my audience seems to really reciprocate with my, with the content that I put out. So I would definitely say they're very engaged, but I think it's a two way street, right? So like as much as they engage with me, I make sure I'm engaging with them because it's, it's that, it's that relationship building. And I know that they really value when I go in and actually read their captions and write a meaningful comment. They're more inclined to then also engage with your with your content as well. So I've I think over the past you know couple of years I've really been able to to build that that friendship connection with them. You know, like it's something you also take from the comments into the DMs and you build friendships through there, right? So, so that way, that way you build that organic connection, right? Yeah. And what keeps you going when you feel like the engagement on your page is low or basically not where you want it to be? Yeah. Um, so for me, I would say, especially the last couple of weeks with the whole Instagram algorithm changes. My reach, I won't lie, has definitely gone down. Um, it's definitely harder for my hashtags to get ranked as high as they used to, for example, and stuff like that. So I've definitely been struggling with that. Um, so what keeps me going is honestly my my community, right? Like I'm constantly interacting with them I see what they're up to like again it's not only at this point it's not only about the the pretty pictures and the pretty destinations but it's actually the stories that they're telling and you build that connection as well so I'm constantly being inspired by them inspired to make more creative content make more meaningful content and then um, you get to a point where you you realize like you have a strong enough community where the numbers don't matter. Sure, they're nice, but they don't really matter. Um, at the end of the day, if you have that solid community, that's that's what counts. Do you search your paid ads? Um, so I actually just used my first um, sponsor. I boosted my first post ever. I think this was like two weeks now. Um, prior to that, I had never boosted um, one of my posts on Instagram. I will say I've always been interested. I wanted to see how effective it was, but I don't know if this is true or not, but one time I was on YouTube and I was watching a bunch of videos and I had heard a couple times that paid, when you pay for a sponsorship, it can slightly affect your organic reach going on from, from there on out. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it did kind of put me off uh, to trying it out oh, earlier okay. on just because again, like, you know, Instagram's owned by Facebook. So they're, they're a business, so they want to make money. And if they can make money off of you, off of your sponsor, your sponsored ad, then if they can reel in that money, then of course they're going to want to, right? So I was put off initially to start boosting my, my post just for that reason. Um, I thought like, you know, let's just 
see where hard work gets me and consistency and just keep um, using effective hashtags and see where that gets me. And so I've been doing that for like, I don't know, a year and a half now of like really focusing on, um, on a hashtag strategy. And so that's helped. But again, el uh, the algorithm has changed so much recently, right? Um, so my reach went down a lot um, recently. Thankfully, it's, it's starting to go up, but it's still pretty um, low compared to what it was. And so I was like, I was like, you know what, I think now's the time to just see where, where it goes, right? And also because I do a little bit of this uh, for my clients as well. And it was just kind of in that, that period where I was doing a lot of Facebook ads for them. So I was like, okay, let's just do this for myself. And there is like strategy behind Facebook ads too, right? So, um, so I was intrigued to see like how it would work for my account. I don't, I can't, I think it was too early to tell like how effective it was just because like, I'll, I'll tell you how much I paid. I paid $12 for two days. So definitely like a low budget, like nothing, you know, a very modest budget, just $12 over two days. Um, and so for Facebook ads or for, for ads to work, essentially Facebook recommends like, oh, I think five days just so, cause each day, like it's algorithm kind of targets more specific your audience, right? The, the audience is exposing that ad to. And of course you can target down that ad in the Facebook ad center uh, to your specific audience and your specific demographics. But it, the Facebook algorithm or the, the ad, like the algorithm will tailor it each like a bit more specifically as your ad goes on through the coming days, right? So, um, so yeah, maybe my ad was just, you know, too, too short. I don't know, maybe it missed like a call to action. It definitely got a lot of people clicking on my profile and I did get some views from it. I'm sorry, some follows from it, but I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if it was as effective as I had hoped for. And do you collaborate with other, other influencers or companies or like how often do you do that if you do? Yeah. Um, so I do collaborate with, um, other brands and other influencers from time to time. So I just recently, um, collaborated with a couple of, a group of influencers to do like a fall giveaway. It was a local business giveaway, essentially small stuff like that, that essentially help both parties, you know, um, someone, one of our audience members can benefit from, you know, a cute little, gifts package or something that can bring a little smile to their face. And then of course, on our end, like it's also boosting our reach and connecting with the other influencers, um, audiences at the same time, right? So it's something that helps both parties. Um, so I think it's something very useful to take part in. But of course, I think it's really important to know who you're partnering with and who you're doing specifically giveaways with because like there are some big giveaways you can do out there um that promise like big stuff and those can reel in like more i guess more follows but at the end of the day like if those follows are not going to be as organically like engaged with your your posts and just be kind of like ghost followers there's really no point in in having having them around right like they're just not good for your engagement essentially 
Um, so yeah, so it's, I think all about knowing who to partner with um, and what type of giveaways you want to do, like very, I guess, being very uh, picky with them. And then I think with brand sponsorships, it's the same thing, just being picky. Brands that really fit your niche, right? Not just brands that are, you know, oh, like they have a high following or, or you know, look appealing, but like might not be in your niche it's not going to bring in the traffic you you want if you guys are not compatible, right? So I think it's about, and also being very genuine with your audience too. Like if this is a brand that might be offering you money, but like is just, you don't really relate to their product or, you know, you're just not, um, you don't like the product itself. Like why would you promote that to your audience, right? So I think it's just about, a matter of being again a little bit nitpicky with who you choose to sponsor with. I also know that you have this thing where you do your Sunday your shout out Sundays in which like you share your favorite posts from the week. So yeah. do these accounts that you give a shout out to do the same for you? So do they give you a shout out back? Yeah, um I definitely find they help a lot again for engagement building and and establishing your community, right? So um, it's just nice to to be kind of recognized for your work and all the efforts that you put um, behind the scenes of your Instagram, right? When someone notices, you know, the work you put, uh, put behind a caption or behind um, a photo itself and they share that with their audience, it's, it's a really nice feeling, right? Um, so all these interactions, all these shoutouts happen naturally happen organically so it's not something that we are like organizing but it's rather something that um just you know when when we feel like sharing something that touched us in the moment or for example um you know just a, a reflection of our past favorite um works from the past week or so right it's just a nice way of connecting with your audience and again like they tend to later on reciprocate and, you know, and, and share your work because at the end of the day, it's, you're both supporting each other. Right. And that's what community is. Um, kind of highlighting each other, lifting each other up, uh, from time to time. So, um, I definitely find them beneficial. It's a way, um, to again, increase reach with their audience, but also a way of creating a, a more authentic relationship with that person as well. What software gadgets or tools do you use when you're creating your content from like the, the Instagram posts to the stories to the blogs? So first off, foremost, I think, uh, I guess what's Im most important that you have is um, obviously the Instagram app because you can do so much just alone in one app. Um, through taking photos directly on there, editing on there, all that you can do. But also I use that a great deal for my insights. When you're on the business, um, the business account, you can easily um, tap and see your insights, see your growth over the past week, compared to that to the week before, um, your engagement numbers, all that. So it's really useful for that. And that's where I mainly look at my insights. And then of course, for content creation, you know, it starts with the camera, right? Just getting out there, taking pictures with whatever um, device you have available to you. And from there on out, I like to um, edit. I either edit, like sometimes I'll edit on my phone uh, with Visco. 
I think Viesco, Visco. And now I'm dabbling more with Lightroom. I like to change up the, the hues and saturations. So um, the contrast, the lighting and stuff like that is mainly all I like to touch up on my photos. Um, and a lot of it honestly comes from just watching YouTube videos and like tutorials on how to better edit, stuff like that. So I spend a lot of hours on YouTube as well. I have like a little gorilla pod. Oh, it's actually here. I keep it right here. I have like this gorilla pod. It's really awesome for when I want to go out and kind of shoot content. Sometimes I, um, when I'm doing stories, I like to talk with my audience, just, you know, have combos, whatever. And so I'll just kind of prop this somewhere. And that way I have my hands free and it's just kind of more, more organic for me to talk in that manner. Or sometimes I'll bring this out um, on my travels too. Like when I went to Banff um, recently, I, I brought this and <laughs> I went with my friend who um, naturally, I love to take pictures like a lot. And she was my unofficial photographer. I'm titled through that. and you know, that's not something she wants to be doing all the time. So this came in handy um, for when I just wanted to get that shot and she and she wasn't around. I would just prop this onto a tree, for example. But it's a very cute tripod stand that Tatiana is showing me right now with like the, <laughs> with, like you can bend the legs. It's very cute. Yeah, so it's easy to grip onto any type of um, surface, I guess. Um, so I'll use that, but honestly, like I really, really need to get a professional tripod. It would just make my life so much easier. So I think that's my next purchase. That and a better DSLR camera. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that explains a lot because I, I was following all your Banff posts when you traveled out west. And I was like, oh, very, because your the angles that you recorded were very flattering. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I noticed that too. I just thought it was the iPhone. I was just like, oh, she just has a good phone that just catches <laughs> her really well. <laughs> no, th th these definitely help a lot. It comes with like a, a grip for your, to safely attach your phone. And also it has like a, um, he uh, what's it called? A ball head. So you can easily twist and turn around and adjust the angle for which your camera is set up. So I, yeah, it just really comes in handy, but I would definitely recommend uh, an actual tripod for okay. if you really want to get into like photography, landscape photography, especially. Gotcha. We'll put a link to the, we'll put a link in our description to where you can find Tatiana's special tripod stand. <laughs> yeah. So it's also like, I know that it's very fun and exciting to post like your life and, you know, your travel adventures on a public platform. And the most people, most, most of the people who follow you obviously love what you're doing. And, you know, that's why they're following you. However, with all the ups, there are some lows too. There's like vulnerability in posting everything. So what do you have to say to someone, if someone were to leave a negative comment on a post or, you know, something like that? Yeah. Um, so I've been pretty lucky that I haven't really seen any negative comments on on my platform. There are times to time, I guess one incident that I can recall personally was when I did travel to Banff, I did post a picture of one of the places that I was. And Banff, you know, like that's a, so, so Banff, Canada, that's a 
destination for hiking. You're out in the outdoors, you know, and I guess for context, I was there when uh, the cases of COVID uh, numbers, they were going down, right? So this was around June. So cases were were plummeting down, you know, things were opening up, things were much safer. So it was safe for me at the time, um, in my opinion, to travel domestically in my own country. So I went to Banff where I knew I could still keep my distance, go on my adventures without really having to mingle and interact in an unsafe way, right? But I did, so I did post something online, a a scenic view, and then I guess through my hashtags, um, someone came across my picture and said, essentially that what I was doing was wrong and then I shouldn't be there because I am adding to the problem I am not um, I am putting other people in danger essentially and stuff like that and you know what like honestly when I saw that at the time like my first reaction was to I was I was a little hurt like I was you know I took that personally even more so when i know that any of my followers can see that anyone online can see that that comment and have their own opinion on that right so i guess the the idea of how visible it was really also got to me and my instinct was to kind of defend myself but in a very nice professional tone and you know explain my take on helping you know the local economy and stuff like that um but essentially yeah that it did kind of take it personally but it was also my first i guess learning experience dealing with matters of that sort right so Um, From there on, like, honestly, I just try to mainly keep a positive mindset, know that this is just an online platform that anyone has access to. But at the end of the day, like, my followers, my audience are um, loyal to me. You know, I would never promote something that would potentially endanger them or cause or like, promote something that was not that I don't think would be healthy. So I think at the end of the day, if you remember that your audience is loyal, that's all that counts. Try to tune out the negative comments. I know it's easier said than done, but it's just a matter of practice. The more and more that you shift your mindset to um, to what counts to the people that are investing in you, the easier it comes, right? Um, so I would say that's the key takeaway in that, yeah. And then of course, like the the block button is always there for for a reason right (laughs) so yeah that's a good one (laughs) yeah (laughs) so now pivoting to the like actual travel aspect of like of you if you were to say like plan a trip to New York for example so like the actual travel process how do you start the process from like itinerary to the tour spots that you visit to the Airbnb do you book it through a travel agency like could you tell me what that process looks like for for you so I would say I'm the type of traveler that I love spontaneity like I love to go with the flow and that's my personal travel preference So I love to kind of leave room and discover once I'm there. But I also do love to take inspiration beforehand. I love the excitement that builds up before a trip, like days, weeks, even months ahead, right? So I definitely do have that balance of pre-planning and just doing so once I'm there, right? So 
it definitely, for me, once I've picked a destination and I, I do this all on my own, I, I've never really worked with an agency just because I enjoyed the aspect of planning on my own. So once I've picked out my destination, my first choice, I guess, for research is usually Instagram. That's where I draw a lot of my inspiration and it's super convenient, right? All the accounts I follow at this point are like travel accounts. So it's easy to, to draw that inspiration, but you can also easily find what you're looking for through the search bar, right? So you can easily, um, search for a particular destination, a particular location via the geotag, type in, and you can get super specific. Usually it will give you a, a search for that. Also hashtags are very, very useful. If you want to tag like hashtag Banff Canada, something like that, you'll get tons of tons of different like attraction viewpoints in that specific location, stuff like that. And then I also use Pinterest a lot just because I find it's such a user-friendly like search tool. Um, again, it's also very visual. So you can type in keywords, like say I'm going to New York, like you said, um, type in New York travel and I will get so many different itineraries and, and they, they're all linked to blog posts containing itineraries for that specific destination, right? So it's just a really user-friendly way of finding quick, easy information, um, itineraries, tips and tricks, all that sort of stuff. How do you go about budgeting for a trip? Uh, oh, it all really depends on where I'm going, the trip that I'm going on and who I'm going with. Um, so nowadays I aim to travel more so on my own if I can. My personal style of travel is backpacking. So that's where I'll save the most money. Oh. Yeah, it's so it's super cost effective because typically backpackers will stay at hostels, essentially dorm like styles of um of sleeping places, if you will. And it's just an easy way of saving money that way when you're sharing the space with a couple other people. And they're usually like very friendly as well, right? They're all backpackers for the most part. So it's a great way of also like socializing and meeting friends to potentially continue your travels with. Accommodation and food are your biggest costs when you're traveling. Money and food is definitely the biggest. With food, I try to budget that like I try to make stuff um in the kit in the hostel kitchen I'll prep dinner or my breakfast I'll usually always have my breakfast um I'll make my own breakfast and then I'll splurge every now and then and I'll go out and try out the local food um try to stay to more authentic places rather than like in the touristy areas I'll try to kind of deviate and and go a little further away and I'll find better deals that way typically yeah, so usually when I uh, I travel with friends, I find that their styles, their their travel styles are a little bit different. They, I guess, look for a little bit more home comfort than maybe I do. And so typically our method of saving in those situations is through Airbnbs. And now for my final question before we head into the lightning round, what advice would you give to other people, particularly females, um, who want to make the same trips as you? you know, and travel and explore, but can only do it alone. So they don't have friends that they can like budget with or friends who are interested in traveling with them or the company to do it. So they have to do it themselves, but are 
because of that are scared? My tip, honestly, just go for it. It's as simple as that. Just take the plunge and do it. I know, again, that's easier said than done. And there's a lot of thought that goes into making that decision beforehand. But at the end of the day, if that is something you're considering, just go for it. Because before starting anything, you're always going to have doubts, right? You're always going to have worries. And that's just your mind kind of wanting to protect you. But if you look at like the stats out there, it's much more safer to travel nowadays as a solo female travel traveler than it was even like 10 years ago, right? And you have so many resources resources at your hand to um, better equip you to make the right and informative decisions as to where you want to start off your first solo travel. You know, I did my first solo travel in Portugal and that was mainly, that was a few factors, but mainly what really appealed to me was that it was ranked by a couple different um, sources, a couple of different magazines. It was ranked the number one, um, or Lisbon in particular, was ranked the number one safest destination in Europe for solo female travelers. So that really appealed to me. That way, like, I felt like I was taking baby steps towards that, right? Um, but all in all, just take the plunge do your research on selecting the ideal destination for solo traveling for for what what your needs are if you're if you're a little bit nervous still i would say go with female only hostels and female only dorms there are a ton of options available especially in backpacker hubs like europe there's tons there i think in Southeast Asia, there's a big uh, niche for that as well. A little bit of like tricks here and there that can make you feel like, you know, you're part, um, that you're kind of home, kind of more welcomed and that you're not all alone. Love it. And so now that that is some solid advice. And now we're going to shift gears on the questions just a bit. It's time for the lightning round. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I definitely a morning person. I love to get up at 7.38 usually. So I don't know if that's like a really early morning person or maybe <laughs> kind of like in the middle, but I don't, I don't ever sleep in past like 10. Top three favorite countries that you visited? Greece, Portugal, and I would say my home country of Colombia. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? Oh. Uh, I would say I am a hunter. Aside from your passport, three things you can't travel without. Phone, camera, phone, camera, and I would say sunglasses. Favorite airlines? Ooh, Air Canada. Air Canada, definitely. I am shook, really? <laughs> yeah, Air Canada um, and their, their like siblings, WestJet, just because uh, like I've tried traveling with other smaller scale airlines and I've just had more uncertainty I guess in terms of just uncertainty overall whereas I know if something goes wrong whatever the case may be with Air Canada like for example if I lose my luggage or something like that I know that Air Canada will respond to me as quickly as possible and will offer me a solution whereas like more like lower scale um smaller scale airlines 
are a little bit more, I guess, unreliable at responding to you and stuff like that. So it's just a little bit more professional, at least my experience with Air Canada. Which country you've been to makes the best coffee or tea? Ooh, oh my goodness. Oh gosh, that is a tough one. I'm going to have to say Colombia. I got to visit Eje Cafetero and it's coffee bean country. In, is, that's where you make the coffee and it's just like such a neat experience. Where would you most like to live in the world? Uh, my dream is to move to Thailand. I'm hoping to do that. Yeah, I'm hoping to do that sometime next year if, you know, the situation allows for it. But I, I've always wanted to move abroad. Thailand has always appealed to me just because I've never visited any Asian country before. And Southeast Asia sounds like a great place to start off. I would love to still be by the beach but also get those like city vibes from like places like um, Bangkok but there's also one city in particular or one one town in particular Chiang Mai that um, is really known for being kind of an integral role in in the whole um, digital nomad scene and that's something I kind of want to immerse myself in and kind of network with like-minded people and like-minded fields and just surround myself around that beach or mountains oh very hard uh, i have to say i am more of a mountain person now i used to be more of a beach person but honestly like i just love soaking in the sun but i can't be sat still for too long i'm not the type to just lay down on the beach all day i'd rather be the one swimming or like mm. just out like kind of like moving around so for that reason i will say mountains just because i mean you can't beat those views and also you're hiking you're moving around you're taking in the sounds the smells everything it's just an amazing experience and now my final question without using the word spicy if you could describe yourself as a flavor what would it be oh I'm sweet okay <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's cute. Now to wrap up the episode, we wanted to send you all off with a quote. And since you're the special guest, Tatiana, I would love for you to do the honors. So the quote today is traveling. It leaves you speechless. Then it turns you into a storyteller by Ibn Batuta. Yes, indeed. So if our listeners are also interested in learning even more about you, is there a way that they can follow or reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm mainly connected on Instagram. So my handle is Tatiana Travels. So that's um, Tatiana, T-A-T-I-A-N-A, Travels. So I'm happy to connect over there. And then also on my blog. So that is tatianatravels.co. Amazing. That was absolutely great. Thank you, Tatiana. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you for joining me and good luck. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Shuba, for having me on here. It's been such a great chat. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you folks enjoyed that. Join me next Sunday for another episode on Keep It Spicy. If you want to stay in the loop, follow me on Instagram at underscore Keep It Spicy and on Twitter at Keep It Spicy Pod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week. Like, comment, and share the content and podcast with friends and family. On that note, remember folks, keep it spicy, yours truly, XX.